Well, I'm going to give a little introduction here. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, yeah, come on up. So we got a, uh, we got a special, awesome speaker this morning, our senior associate pastor, Sean. The pastor with the highest VO2 max, and so uh, if you know what that is. Anyway, hey, what I appreciate about Sean is he really does make the supernatural look natural. And so he has a way of taking really spiritual concepts and making them seem normal because they should be. And, uh, boy, he really loves to point to Jesus. And it's not just uh, on stage. It's behind the scenes. He's got a heart for the lost. He's always keeping us... uh, raising that banner for our staff, and uh, he really does love Jesus, celebrates his presence, and so, so thankful to be his friend, and it's going to be good today. Let's welcome Sean. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks, guys. Sorry, my, my computer keeps turning off because I keep hitting the off button. This is a different one. I don't normally use it, so. All right, so bear with me. If I'm, if I'm pausing, it's you can just contemplate what was said. I might just be trying to figure out how to open this up. So, Well, hey, welcome, everyone. Uh, it's so great to actually be here today. With feel like we're in the company of champions again this morning. And uh, just to be able to worship together. Aren't you guys glad we live in a country that we can actually worship together? I, I really am. I, I really am. You know, every country's imperfect, but I'm grateful that we can gather together like this. Uh, you know, there's people all over the world that all they want to do is be able to get together with other believers. And so... It's good to have that perspective at times to remember, you know, wow, we're really privileged, and this is awesome. And uh, I tell you what, Jesus is in love with the American church just as much he's in love with the Chinese church. Jesus is in love just as much with that Egyptian church than his Canadian church. That, That as the American bride to Jesus, we have an amazing responsibility to not just know the Lord, but to magnify who he is to the world. We've been doing, thank you, Mama Dora, I heard that. (laughs) I've been doing this little series uh, about Jesus fulfilling the fivefold ministry that we read in Ephesians 4. So are you guys good to continue this today? This is a a series on the gifts of Christ, and we're going to call this one the perfect pastor. So what we looked at so far, if you guys weren't here for... I don't even know the last time I spoke, last couple times, so chances are you didn't hear both. Uh, but the first one I talked about how uh, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the prophets, but he was the prophet of prophets. That w- w- do you guys remember this? And we talked about, you know, who do you think Isaiah and Ezekiel, who do you think they were listening to? It was Jesus. And then, and then and we saw last week about, or last time I spoke, uh, Jesus embedded in the scriptures, in the law, in the Old Testament, in the Torah, the requirement, the value for honoring a stranger in the land. And not just to honor a stranger in the land, but actually to give them an inheritance. And then Jesus shows up on the scene centuries later, and what happens is Jesus begins to elevate that to love your neighbor. He begins to elevate that to when you give someone a drink of water, a glass of water, you're actually giving it to me. That he elevates that, that honoring and, and, and releasing inheritance to everyone we see through love and opens the door, swings wide open to Jew and Gentile to know the Lord. It says this, well, let's bring up Ephesians 4.11. And one of the reasons that I'm going through this series of really touching these points of the fivefold ministries, because we value fivefold ministry here at Zion. Did you know that? And, and, and when we value fivefold ministry, it's really important to recognize that all of it is all about Jesus. The prophet, apostle, the teacher, the pastor, evangelist. 
It's actually all about Jesus. And Jesus himself perfectly walked in those ways, perfectly fulfilled each of those offices. So he's able to give those gifts now to the body to build the body up. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so if, if God has given these things to the church, it's probably important that we recognize what they are. But before we can even recognize who and what they are, we have to recognize that it's not about these spiritual offices that rule and reign the church. It's actually all about Jesus being released to the church so that they can come unto fullness. Does that make sense? You know, what we're going to talk about today is, is Jesus the pastor, that he was the perfect pastor. Did you know that you have a need in your life for a pastor, and, and it's not Pastor Jim? You know, when we talk about pastor, we're talking about the evangelist who lives inside of you, the prophet lives inside of you, and you have a pastor named Jesus living inside of you. Does this make sense? That, that when we talk about pastors right now, this is, we're, we're going to see Jesus fulfill something that the, the law in the Old Testament talked about and now is available today through his Holy Spirit. But there's also offices of pastors, offices of those spaces. And so what happens sometimes is, uh, if, how many of you have been to a church where you never got one-on-one -on -one time with the pastor? And how many of you were, you know, you left that church? I'm just kidding. <laughs> what happens often is, is we confuse the person who is pastor with how Jesus might be pastoring us. Does that make sense? Did you know Jesus is going to bring a lot of people and situations into your life to pastor you in different seasons? And it's not all going to come from someone who's employed as a pastor. Does this make sense? That God can bring a leader in your life, and it just, they just begin to speak into your heart, into your life. And you're like, I wasn't expecting that, but I recognize God's presence and his voice on what you're, what you're showing me. God can bring someone who you least expect to help pastor you. Why? Because what we're going to find is one of the key ways that Jesus pastors you is by his voice. And he can speak through a lot of different ways. You know, my wife, she is still the, the, you know, the queen of the license plate thing. It's like license plate speak to her. We'll be in mid-conversation driving down the road, and every time she sees the license plate, uh, uh, what's the JSU one? No, what is it? What are the letters? JSU. Whenever she sees JSU, she stops whatever she's doing and interrupts me, and she says, she says JSU, and we just praise the Lord. Because we've been in the mission field, and that's, that's one of the names of Jesus in the mission field. You know, God is going to speak to you through circumstances, too, through situations, and he's going to speak to you through, from uh, people around you. So open up your Bibles to John, verses, uh, John chapter 10. And we're, going to, we're going to walk through. This is going to be our central text for the morning, and we're going to unpack this a little bit as we go, so just bear with me. This is a, a long section of Scripture, John 10, verses uh, 1 through 18. We're going to try to go through here. It says this. Truly I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls him 
he calls his own sheep by name. Sorry, this font's smaller than normal. And he leads them out. Verse 4, when he puts all of his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus told them this figure of speech so that they did not understand the things he was saying, because they did not understand the things that he was saying, what they meant. Verse 7, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Some translations would say, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go out and go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, uh, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep not of this fold. He's talking about you. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own, because I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I receive from my Father. You guys still with me? Now, we read that in, as New Testament believers. How many of you are familiar with that passage, familiar with that verse? Uh, we read that as New Testament believers, and we're like, okay, cool. Jesus is a shepherd. That sounds good. What we don't know sometimes is the backstory to the shepherd of Israel. Sometimes we don't realize, well, why was it important that Jesus actually showed up and began to tell them that he has arrived as a good shepherd? It says this in Jeremiah, let me see if I can pull it up for you. It says this in Jeremiah 50, verse 6. My people, have been, my people have been lost sheep, and their shepherds have led them astray, and caused them to roam the mountains. They wander all over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. It says this in Jeremiah 3, verse 12 through 16. Are you guys still with me for a little bit longer? We're going we're gonna to unpack this. It says this in Jeremiah 3, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt, and you have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under, the, under every spreading tree, and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Verse 14, Return, faithless people, for I am your husband. I will, ch I, I will choose you from one town, two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed anymore. Verse 19. The Lord replied, how gladly I would treat you like children. And give you a pleasant land and the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. 
Verse 20, but like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so Israel, you have been unfaithful to me. Now, this is a heavy context that, that the prophet is sharing about how Israel and Judah at the time, that they were rebelling against God. And here's God's heart. Here's God's heart being laid out for all of Israel, saying, I chose you, and like a husband, I am yours. And he's beginning to lay the, the framework, the foundation for what Jesus is going to do when he shows up. How many of you know that Jesus showed up as the good shepherd? But no one, we, we didn't see mass repentance for him to show up. Did you know that? That he's fulfilling his word even when the people didn't fulfill their end of it. That Jesus shows up and says, okay, what was written about me in Jeremiah? I am the good shepherd. I'm now here. And the good shepherd's coming for abundant life. Did you know that when Jesus is sharing this in John 10, he's sharing it to Pharisees who didn't believe in him. He's, he's, he's sharing this picture that he has come even though there wasn't repentance. This is a picture of scandalous grace. That, that, that he came as a good shepherd to fulfill the word of Jeremiah even though there wasn't repentance to it. Does it make sense? The, the entry point came through Jesus because man didn't do it. So he is your good shepherd based upon who he is, not based upon what you do. That, that, that when, when Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, that's that word for we read in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It, it can be interchangeable to pastor. That, that he is the perfect pastor. He is the good pastor that actually comes and says, you're going to listen to my voice. You have to understand he just talked in Jeremiah, you're not listening to my voice. And now he shows up and says, oh no, my sheep hear my voice. He has higher level beliefs about you than you do. Aren't you glad? That, 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 that Jesus shows up and he, doesn't he didn't show up out of a response to repentance. He showed up out of a response to his faithfulness. Doesn't mean that repentance isn't awesome. But we have to recognize that if you want to encounter the way Jesus wants to pastor you, you have to recognize it's, it's really not up to you. It's not up to your performance. It's not up to your behavior. He's already the good shepherd. This is the fourth time in the New Testament Jesus uses a statement, I am. That he is. That he is good. Aren't you glad it doesn't say he is the people's pastor? Aren't you glad it doesn't say that, 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 he, is, that he is a uh, a shepherd of the sheep. It actually says he is the good. He's the good pastor. All right, you guys with me? All right, so I want to unpack this a little bit more. Uh, you know, here are a few of the ways that Jesus is going to pastor you. He's going to pastor you into freedom. Did you know that? That Jesus is going to pastor you into freedom. That what we, what we read here in the first section of John, actually bring, bring the first uh, four verses of, to, of John up if you could. I want to read that again. I feel like i got to kind of plow some soil of this because we are going to land somewhere. It says this. It says, verse 4. We'll, we'll just go to verse 4. I know I'm, I'm throwing you off up there. That he puts forth, when he puts uh, all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep know his voice and they follow him. Okay. So when he leads us into freedom, when, when we read this passage, he's putting the sheep outside of the pen. What he's doing is he's actually leading them into new places. Sometimes we see that like, oh, no, is Jesus like putting those sheep outside? Why don't, you, why don't you sheep with Jesus? This is, this is the language of a shepherd. 
is he actually leads them somewhere. Did you, have you ever seen uh, sheep kind of wandering or migrating in a field? There's actually one up in Powell. Do you guys ever drive by it? And, and, and you'll see the sheep, they're actually looking for someone to follow. That, that one of the gaps that you have in your life is that if you look for someone to follow that's not Jesus in that role of pastoring, boy, there's a lot of options out there for you. That, that we're hardwired, we're built to actually follow him. Does this make sense? That following Jesus isn't this really hard thing to do. It's actually already, he's already the good shepherd and he's already wired you to want to follow him. And now he simply begins to lead you by his voice. So how does he pass you into freedom? He brings you from the failures that sin has created in your life and into the victories that grace now affords. I'm going to say that again. He brings you from the failures of sin into the victories of grace. I want to share this story. There's this young man uh, who, just an amazing testimony, uh, who just, his name is Sam Bishop. And uh, Sam has just a really amazing, powerful story of Jesus bringing him to freedom. Do you guys want to hear it? So, so uh, a few months ago, he shared his story. <clears throat> Sam was, was uh, kicked out of homes. He was brought up by parents who were drug addicts. Uh, and Sam gave his soul in exchange for the power of Satan at a young age. He says, it was in this sense, there was this sense inside of me, like I finally completed and dedicated my life to Satan. He says, when I began to experiment with witchcraft, I began to feel control. I began to feel like I could manipulate the world around me. I'm tired of being stepped on. I'm tired of not being accepted. He says, I was, I was tired of not being loved by people around me, and now I can force things to happen. By the time he was 19, he bounced around between many different homes, and some of his earliest memories, he says, were of cockroaches crawling on me while I was trying to sleep. He says it was terrible. There was always this feeling of chaos all throughout his household. His parents were drug addicts. He got into drugs by the age of 12. By the age of 15, he was battling depression, drugs, and drinking. He says there was always this crushing feeling that I was always going to have to deal with stuff and life wasn't worth living. He says I constantly felt the suicidal pressure. Why do I even try? As my depression got worse and worse, I started to use these things because I couldn't, I, couldn't stand, I couldn't stand it when I was sober. After high school, he tried enlisting in the Army but was discharged in two months. Sam says, I was really lashing out at people. I got in fights with people. They said, you're not mentally fit to be a soldier because of your substance abuse problems, because of your depression, and because your anxiety is so serious. This is when Sam began to turn to witchcraft. In December 2018, he made a blood covenant dedicating himself to Satan. He says, as soon as I did, I knew it was a mistake. He says, in that moment, I felt complete emptiness, complete whole, like there's nothing in me at all. I felt like, okay, there's no more forgiveness. You're going to hell now. The next morning, Sam decided that he would take his life at the end of the day. Then while he was on his way to work, something supernatural happened. Sam says, I had this mental image. It was the craziest thing in the world. It was Jesus. 
I began to feel like maybe he'll forgive me and I'll somehow find forgiveness. Maybe I'll just be really low, just be like dirt to God. And, and he said, I'm fine with that. It's better than where I'm headed. Later, as he got home, he searched, he searched the internet for Bible verses to, ha- to help renounce Satan. Samuel shares, I began to speak those verses. God will cause you to tread on serpents and scorpions all over the power of the enemy. He says, I took all my tarot cards, my incense, my books, and witchcraft. I took them outside and I threw them away. I fell on my face outside and said, God, I know that I don't deserve to be forgiven, but if you want to forgive me, I'm asking for it, God. I need help. I need a new life. He said, when I walked inside, I felt a new presence in the room I've never felt before. He said, everything is so different. It's not heavy here. There's no depression. He said, I feel alive. I feel excited. I feel like I have hope to look forward to. And I feel like this is a future that I can actually look forward to now. He said, the minute that I, that, I, that I came to the Lord, all that lifted off. I knew I was forgiven. I knew I was clean. I knew God had given me a new life. And for the first time, I felt his love and joy from God. I received that acceptance, and it was unlike anything I had ever experienced in witchcraft. It was so fulfilling, so wonderful, I knew that I was a new person. Samuel later got very involved in church, and this was, he just came out with this story in the last six, seven months. You know, you know, Jesus wants to bring us into freedom, and it doesn't matter what kind of freedom you need. He's the pastor of all freedom. It doesn't matter if you're listening online right now and you've rebelled against God. It doesn't matter if you're in the room and you've got a bunch of secret stuff that no one else knows about. Listen, he is the pastor of all freedom. Amen. The Bible actually says in other places, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That, that, that Jesus is always pastoring us into freedom. When he leads us out, he leads us by his voice. Don't you find it interesting? You know, this is a side note. If you're in the ministry school, we would dig into this, but I don't have time. Uh, is, is he says that, that after, he, Sam, after he gave his life to Satan, he says that he had this thought. I just had this thought. Maybe I could be forgiven. How many of you know that's not the devil telling him that? He is hearing God's voice. He is being led by his shepherd, Pastor King. That I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate how God is speaking to you. Sometimes we tend to think, oh, I just, I don't know how God wants to speak to me. I, I, I don't know what he's saying. You actually do, but maybe a lot is getting cluttered in there. Maybe there's a lot of voices, and you need to take a little time and intentionality of removing some of those other competing voices. Does this make sense? The problem is is not God's ability to speak. I think we all can all say amen to that. The problem is also not your ability to hear. That's actually not true. It actually says, sheep, hear my voice. So what happens is, are we leaning in? Are we valuing it? Do we want to hear his voice? Do we actually want to be led? And that's up to you. That's up to me. But the problem is not his, him speaking, and the problem actually isn't in your hearing. Some of us need to get free from that. The pressure is off. Yay, I heard someone say that. 
All right, I want to move forward here. A couple of other things. Sorry, guys, this, this new thing is different for me. I'm working hard up here, though. I'm working super hard. I'm going to tell you guys this, this other story about freedom. This is a story about, it says, a guy was walking down the street, and he fell in a hole. And the walls were so steep, he couldn't get out. So a doctor passes by, and the guy shouts up, hey, you, can you help me? The doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole and moves on. (laughs) Then a new ager comes along and the guy shouts up, excuse me, I'm down in this hole, can you help me? The new ager, the monk, writes out a mantra, throws it down the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by, hey, it's me, can you help me out? But this time, the friend jumps in the hole. And the guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. (laughs) The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Medication, false religions. Listen, Jesus knows the way out from where you are. Jesus isn't outside of your circumstance hoping that you can pastor your way through it. He actually knows the way out. I'm not even talking about stuff that you're trapped in, although some of you might be trapped. I'm talking about problems that you don't want to look at. He knows the way out. It doesn't have to be life-threatening. It can be the thing that's keeping you up at night. Jesus wants to come into that with you. He's not here writing you a prayer and saying, pray that, say that. New age, what's your mantra? Get back to your mantra. Get back. No, no, no. Jesus is actually with you. That, that, that the way that Jesus, that the good shepherd pastures is by coming into it with you. Aren't you guys glad that the perfect pastor lives in, like Jesus, just, I just got to chill. I don't want to go too far off stream. Okay, so the other, the other place, so we talked about freedom. He'll pastor you into freedom. He's going to pastor you into wholeness. Did you know that? He's going to pastor you into wholeness. I love the part of this passage in John 10 where Jesus uh, juxtaposes what it's like to follow him versus what it's like to be in the world. That he came that you would have life and abundantly versus steal, kill, and destroy. That he came that you would have life abundantly. You know, I, I love studying some words in the scriptures, and one of the titles of Jesus is he's the prince of peace. Did you know that word peace in the Hebrew language, is most often in the Bible seen as shalom. But did you know shalom doesn't mean just a calm? See, we tend to think of peace, and you might think that peace is, uh, you know, the serenity of seeing a beautiful sunset, that peace is the absence of war. These are all terms that we use for peace. Peace might be the, 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 the absence of conflict in a moment, a stress-free day. How many can say amen to that? It's okay. Come on. Right? These are things we tend in the West to say that that's what peace looks like. But here's what this abundant life that Jesus actually calls it. He actually says that you should be having shalom life. So what does shalom mean? Shalom is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of a person, according to the scriptures. That those terms, those labels that we just used, they just scratch the surface of what shalom means. Shalom can mean peace, but it really means safety, wholeness, and completeness. That the prince of shalom draws you 
into shalom, that your wholeness is actually not going to come from everything being perfect in your life. It's actually going to come from you carrying shalom from heaven. Did you know that? Did you know that you can actually, your body can get healed from shalom? Okay, some of you don't believe me. A couple over here, I heard you. Amen. It says this in Proverbs 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart in shalom releases life to the body. That, that you don't have to worry about all those things that are attacking your body. Do you know that? You just got to get your eyes on Jesus. And recognize that the way that he wants to bring you wholeness is through shalom in your life. And that shalom, so the, the Hebrew mindset would actually look at shalom as something that's supposed to be overflowing from you and impacting those around you. The, 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 the shalom is this fullness in your relationships, in your health, in your emotional well-being, in your mental health. In the issues of your career path, of your calling, of your work, then in all these spaces, Jesus actually paid a price so that shalom would not just be, uh, would not just be felt by you, received by you. It would actually spread to everything you do. See, Backlund, uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I love what he talks about. And he talks about having, you, could, you, you need a, if you have a word from the Lord, everything in your life can feel like it's hard, but it's okay because you got a word from the Lord. Like you can bear through a lot when you got a word from the Lord. You, 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 can, you can go through a lot in life if you feel like you have a word from the Lord. But in the absence of a word from the Lord, everything has to be perfect for you to be happy. That the quality of your life is going to be dependent upon the circumstances around you. I love that because how many of you know God will give you a word and you start following him in it and it feels like everything is happening but that word. But if you have a word from the Lord, you can endure a lot. Did you know that? Some of us, some of us, that place of wholeness in your life, you just got to revisit what is the thing that God has told you. Instead of trying to figure out every circumstance or situation in your own flesh with your own wisdom, which is, by the way, just a bad idea, you tried living that way before. You know, how did that work out? Is revisiting what did God say over and over and over again. Our path of wholeness is constantly revisiting what did God say. So we talked earlier about the different ways that God can speak. We, we can't dig into that as much today. But you're hearing God's voice. You know that you can hear his voice externally. You can hear his voice internally. It's an inner witness. What our, what our friend Sam described, he just felt like this. He just felt like God could do this. There's an inner witness that you're constantly engaged with the voice of God if you've given your life to Jesus. That the Holy Spirit promises to say only what he, hear Jesus, only what he hears Jesus say. And Jesus is like, you can blaspheme me, but don't blaspheme Holy Spirit. Because he, does this make sense? And then the father's like, well, this is my son, listen to him. That they're all saying, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. If there's something to boil down to, what can you do is just listen to Jesus. What can you do differently? Listen to Jesus. One of the ways he speaks as well is actually through the Bible. 
St. Jerome, uh, his real name is Euspus Heronimus. So I think St. Jerome was a good change. Uh, was a 5th century uh, biblical scholar uh, and Bible translator. And he, he actually translated the Bible into Latin. So it was a really big deal at the time. This is what he said about the scriptures. He said, the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. If you feel like, man, what is God saying? Just, just, get, just open up your Bible. Just, just revisit those lanes, those wells of refreshment for you. It doesn't matter where you are. That God can reach you in that. Are you guys still with me? All right, and finally, uh, one of those areas that we talked about, shalom, is it says in Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It says this in John 14, 17, my peace, my shalom, I leave with you, my shalom, I give to you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will become children of God. Blessed are the shalom makers, because they're going to look just like Jesus. Just my, my, a different way to say it. So he'll pastor you into freedom. He pastors us into wholeness. And finally, he pastors you into service. I know everyone's like, wait, hold on. Get back to, the, get back to that stuff, how much he loves me. He actually, you, you, we, we talk about this a lot in our ministry school in CSSM, that you've been created to be loved and you've been anointed for purpose. They're not opposing one another. It's two sides of the same coin. That out of his love for you, out of his faithfulness for you, he's sharing with you, he's speaking with you, he will pastor you all the days of your life. David actually, this is King David, the warrior of warriors. He said, the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. That his love is full blast. His love is full blast. But you've been anointed for purpose. You're not just supposed to be a puddle of ooey-gooey Jesus love on the ground. You're actually, does this make sense? You're actually supposed to carry that puddle with you into your purposes. They're, 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 they're not, there's, there's not a war there. Does this make sense? I've seen a lot of believers that they struggle with, like, do I just, like, soak or do I run, right? Like, like, like I, you know, and we get a little schizophrenic about who Jesus is. No, run with your soaking. <laughs> like, like, bring it. <laughs> You don't have to just do one or the other. He actually calls you into purpose. You know, if you gave your life to Jesus, uh, that means Jesus is going to use your life. It's no longer yours. Can I just remind everyone that? Oh, he's just speaking to me about stuff I didn't want to do. Welcome to the kingdom. I don't understand the problem. He knows your future way better than you do. That you've been drafted into a heavenly company of champions. And when you are ready... He has assignment for you. I say that because your assignments are already mapped out. The stuff that you're going to be doing in your life, the purpose of God on your life. And you have one life to live. You know the saying, YOLO? You know, it's like you just do something crazy and people are like, YOLO. You know, you only live once. That is the stupidest thing. You live twice. <laughs> you don't live once. You live twice. And we have one opportunity now. We have one opportunity in this life to serve him. And all this life, all this life is going to lead up to the most epic face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus one day. And we see that Jesus, to some, says, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, it's, 
all of this, all of your purpose. He pastors you into your purpose. But you have to understand, it's still all about Jesus. It's all about, Lord, what you gave me, I brought to increase. What you gave me, I said yes to, even though it felt like it cost me a lot at the time. This, this is, when he's pastoring your purpose, your job is to release trust to him. Is to trust the process that he has you on. Every assignment or seasonal purpose is part of a much larger tapestry of the kingdom of God in the world and the mosaic that he is orchestrating in your own life. I'm going to say that again. Every assignment for you is part of a much larger tapestry of the kingdom of God that he's doing. The little thing you're doing, you'll never even see the impact that it's actually having. Did you know that? The things that we do are way bigger than you might think. Because he's got people all over the world that are on assignment, that are just walking in their purpose. And that purpose can be everything from raising children to running business to being a missionary to going to school. Your seasonal areas of purpose are part of a much bigger mosaic of obedience. And what happens is we tend to not want to take a step forward because we can't see the full picture. And then we're like, oh, no, I don't think that's what God's saying. And then three years go by and he's saying the same thing. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, it just sounds risky. I don't, I'm not sure if that's really what God's saying. And you, you can I just say, you, you bounce around churches? Because you just don't want to do what he's saying. Does this make sense? And I'm not saying that's why people leave churches entirely, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I am saying this. As you bounce around, you'll go to the next person to pray for you. And, and they keep saying the same thing. Let me go to the next person to pray for me. And that person's... God just keeps saying the same thing. How many of you know Jesus has no problem being very faithful to the things that he wants over your life? <laughs> the thing is, each assignment is always bathed in his gentle love. Each assignment, each of those whispers are bathed in his presence. They're bathed in the whispers of God's love. He is less of a drill sergeant and more of a servant king. He is less of a demanding boss and more of a trusting commander-in-chief. He doesn't give opportunities for obedience. That's just a fancy way to say your assignments. He doesn't give opportunities for obedience half-heartedly, and he isn't reluctant to, call, to talk to you about the things that may be hindering your movement in that obedience. How many of you know Jesus has no problem confronting you? He's great at confrontation. He has no problem putting his finger on that thing in your life while you're doing all these other things and you're ignoring it. But he's, his finger, he will not leave it. Why? Because he is so committed to your transformation. He's so committed to you being brought up into the fullness of Christ. He's so committed to you being way more influential than you think. You know, if God was going to show you where you're going to end up in life, you wouldn't believe him. He can't even show you where you're going to be in the next seven to ten years in the spirit. I don't mean geographically. But like you're, who you are, he actually can't show most of us because you probably won't believe it. Or the, the bigger problem, you're going to try to figure out how to do it. And that's, that, that would derail his process. Instead, his methods of getting us into our purposes, he pastors us into these little areas of obedience one step at a time. One assignment at a time. 
that his whispers over your seasonal purposes, your, your big picture, your, your two-month thing, your big word, maybe you're called to be this or that, but there's a lot of steps of purposes, purposeful assignments in between that Jesus has no problem making sure that you step into. How many of you know your biggest, one of your biggest purposes is actually to make disciples? It, it's just to let the world see him, encounter him. This is why as a church, we go after things that are training and equipping based so that we could demonstrate the kingdom of God in our spheres of influence. That's what it looks like to disciple nations. It doesn't look like getting a nation in a room and reading them the Bible. It actually looks like moving into your sphere of influence and bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to Jesus through him inside of you. Maybe it's salvation. Did you know this at the Billy Graham Association? I share this often at CSSM. CSSM, this is like my greatest hits, guys. Thanks for staying with me here. No, it's, this is actually fresh bread, so you guys know that. It's hot, hot, fresh bread. The Billy Graham Association did a study, and they, they were trying to find how many gospel touches it takes to get someone saved. Now, this is, this is not, you know, the law. They, just thought, they, they found a number that was on average the amount of time someone needed to have an encounter with God, someone needed to hear the scriptures, someone needed to have someone share the testimony of Jesus and share the gospel, that he who had no sin became sin, so that in him you become the righteousness of God, that he went to the cross not just as us but for us entirely, and he rose again so that we would have newness of life. And anyone who comes to Jesus has that opportunity to be forgiven of the past, to be forgiven of strongholds. How many times do you think people needed to hear that or have an encounter with God's presence? The number is, is, is pretty shocking. It was, they found 26. So I used to walk around, and I used, to, I used to say 26 a lot. It was like my favorite. I, would just, I, would just, I want to be the 26 every time, God. I don't want to wait for 25 others. You know, I just want to be the 26th person. And it's just a fun little thing. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean, you know, you talk to someone, they don't receive Jesus. Ah, oh, I must be 24. It's coming. You know, 26 is coming. It's, it's really not about that. It's just the heart of, of God. I want to see that fast track. I'd like to see that number go down to like one. We're, we're, we're living in a day, according to the Bible, that that number is going to come down to one. That we're in the last days. And we're the best versions of ourselves as we help make others like him. I'm going to close with this story. Is, uh, there was, uh, I, I've, I've shared this before. Uh, I love skiing. I am semi-good at it, but also semi-sketchy at it. And uh, I love taking lessons, usually once every two to three years. And I'll take, I'll take you know, advanced lessons and intermediate lessons, or I'll take certain. Uh, you can get instruction for about anything. You know? And I love going to different um, ski resorts. And getting lessons when I'm there for the first day or the first morning and just kind of tweaking what I do. And um, I, every time I take a lesson, I get better. And the last lesson I took, I was with this guy, and he was, you know, in his 60s and just sort of, uh, this is a dude who just lived on the slopes, you know, for like 30 years. I mean, this was his home. You ever see like surfers, right, who just live on the water? This dude just lived on the slopes, man. It's just the mountain surfer dude, you know, who's on skis. And so, uh, really cool guy, and so I'm with him all morning, and uh, he's showing me all this stuff, and we're on ski lifts, and if you're ever on a ski lift, you have a lot of time with someone. There's not much to do on a ski lift. It's really quiet. You're just, 
mean, there's no, so, so it's, a, it's a fun time to talk with someone. And so I start asking questions like, hey, how long have you been skiing? Things like that. He's like, I've been skiing, you know, for 40 years. And I'm like, it shows. You're amazing, you know. And uh, I said, how did you get into um, being a ski instructor? And he actually, his tone and his countenance just began to change. And he kind of looked down with, like, a small level of regret. And he said, you know, he goes, uh, me and my buddies, we've been skiing all of our life. And they all started doing, being a ski instructor in their 30s. And, he, and they always told me I should do it. And it's good money. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to do. And, uh, and, uh, and, and they began to tell me I would benefit from it. And so he, go, he goes, but I didn't do it for a long time. I waited a really long time. I just started being a ski instructor about 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he goes, you know why? He goes, you know why it's hard for me to say that? I have no idea, you know. And he goes, because I'm a better skier since I've been an instructor. That he's a better skier. He enjoys it more when he learned to help others do it. Do you know, you're a better disciple. Does this make sense? As you have eyes to impact the world around you. That God called you to be salt and light and influence the world. That your purpose is always going to be wrapped in his presence everywhere you go. And when we pull back, even those small areas of, of resisting his purpose, we're actually living an inferior life that Jesus has for us. That you'll enjoy being a disciple more as you step into these places of service, of purpose. As you look to... to Influence the world with Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, why don't you guys stand up? If any of the staff has words, Mary, I feel like I want to give you the opportunity. No? Okay. Well, hey, what I want to do today, I, I'm, I'm just so excited to be here today. I, I just, it's, it's always a privilege to be able to, to share and to speak. And I want to give opportunity. Um, if our ministry teams could just come forward right now. Ministry teams, come on forward. Uh, if you're here and you're in the room, uh, I'm going to let our teams come forward here for a moment. You guys can go ahead and just gather up front. Uh, if you're in the room and you're like, hey, I, I want to I know Jesus, or I, wanna, I just want to give my life back to Jesus. Maybe you used to walk with him, and maybe you've heard about Jesus, maybe as a child. Your parents were Christian parents, and, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't land well with you. If you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, that you want to give your life to the Lord, and you want to know his shalom and the freedom that he can bring in, in your life, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to get set free, like our friend Sam that I read about, if you're just in that place and today you're saying, today's my day, enough is enough, your heart might be pounding right now, if that's you, can you just raise your hand in the air real high right now? Just raise your hand in the air real high if that's you. It's hard to see up here, and we just want to celebrate it. We're not going to do anything to uh, embarrass you, but this is a, a decision that will change the rest of your life. So I want to just give opportunity for it. If you're in the room and you're saying, today's my day, I want to say yes to Jesus, or I just want to give my life back to the Lord. I'm just, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I know he's good. And I want to come back to that. If that's you, raise your hand. All right, I don't, I don't see anyone raising their hand. So if you're going like this, it's okay. Uh, but that means that we're in a, a room full of champions today. And if you're online, listening online, all you need to do is just ask Holy Spirit to come into your life right now and just say, Jesus, I just turn from living life apart from you. And right now, I just turn my heart towards you. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. 
Well, being in a room full of champions, that means that a lot of you, there's a lot of people in this room that you might need just a fresh encounter with the Lord, and you might need uh, someone to prophesy over you, or you might need healing in your body. And so if that's you today, uh, come on forward and let our teams pray for you. Uh, and, and I especially will say that if you're like, I want to discover what that voice of the Lord is in my life afresh, like what is that now word he is saying, allow our teams to pray for you. These guys are all trained to minister prophetically and to, uh, to pray for healing as well. So, all right, well, Lord, we just thank you for today, God. We just thank you, Jesus, that uh, every opportunity to step into who you are is an opportunity for us to be refreshed in your presence. So, Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, increase in our life this week. In Jesus' name.